0: We've all heard the phrase dress for success. And many of us only ever think about this when we have an important meeting. But as real estate investors, that important meeting might happen when
1: we least expect it. And especially like in y'all's world, I mean, you're always on and prospecting and representing your brand. I mean, who knows where you can meet a potential investor? You know, it could be at a cocktail party or a, a happy hour or a networking event or at the grocery store. And you're a, literally a walking billboard for your company. And being intentional about that and being confident in that can be a huge advantage.
0: And it's not only about feeling confident and ready. How you dress also sends signal to those you are meeting.
1: Hey, I respect the conversation that we're going into. I manage the way that I'm presenting myself well. I'm going to to show you this deal and the other deals I've done in the past that I've managed Well and then therefore you're going to trust me with your money that I'm going to be responsible with it. And I think presenting yourself... When you combine the clothes, the
0: confidence, and as my guest Vaughn Granger says, respect the conversation, it becomes a lot more than the clothes. It's about you and your personal brand.
1: It's not just about clothes. It's about the person and building something really, really special and unique that will go with you forever. Whenever you're investing in yourself and your personal brand, it's going to stay with you forever. And I think that's so powerful and cool. And a lot of people just never have experienced it or thought of it that way.
0: My guest this week is a second-generation haberdasher and entrepreneur. And Vaughn Granger and I have quite a conversation, and he shares a lot around what it's like to be successful in business, sales, and leadership through real-life experiences and results. And he also shares a really impactful approach that you'll definitely want to pay attention to called the Great Game Framework. All this after the break. This is REI Branded, the podcast all about building your real estate investing personal brand. My name is Paul Cocker and my mission is to help you, the busy real estate investor, stand out from the crowd so that people can find you easily, want to work with you and can't wait to refer you meaning that you can build a successful real estate investing business without feeling inauthentic, overwhelmed with marketing, or spending all day doing it. Because marketing is how you get their attention, but personal branding is why they choose you. But before we begin, if you're a real estate investor looking to build your business and stand out from the crowd, and you don't want to wait for all the knowledge, strategies, and how-tos to be slowly delivered to you via this podcast every week, then I invite you to apply for the REI Branded Audit. That's the process I've created that has already helped dozens of real estate investors to define and develop their personal brands and build their real estate investing businesses. This audit is a mind-focusing, eye-opening insight addressing key questions like, is your message clear and consistent? Do you stand out as being different? Are you on people's radars and inspiring them enough to reach out and want to know more? The application only takes a few minutes and the link is in the show notes. After you apply, if it seems like I can help, We'll set up an initial conversation to explain the audit in more detail and answer any questions you have. So if you're a real estate investor who's committed to building your personal brand and business this year, then I invite you to apply for the REI branded audit. Now back to the show. Welcome Vaughn. Clothing, identity. How does clothing affect somebody's
1: identity? Great question. There's two ways to kind of approach it, right? You have I never think clothes make the man or the person, but the truth of the matter is, clothing can reinforce what you already believe to be true on the inside. So, the easiest way that I kind of think about it is if you've ever seen a person like wear their clothes warm, you could clearly tell that they didn't feel comfortable in what they were wearing. And the clothes just owned them as opposed to those people that always look like in their natural habitat, if you will, being dressed. Right. And so, clothes really. It just further reinforces who you are, and and yeah, the people on the outside get to see it. But it's really, it's how you identify with who you are when you're wearing clothes, right? It, does that make sense? Yeah, when you're thinking about that as a, you know, so
0: the audience predominantly is real estate investors, and I see such a wide range of dress, you know, in terms of dress code. It could be anything from a. Torn jeans and a hoodie to you know a, a full full suit and tie. Do you dress for the audience as well as dressing for how you feel? Is
1: that important? Yes, I mean, okay. So especially considering the audience, you know, everything is branding. We pay attention to branding of business cards. We pay attention to branding uh, as far as advertising goes. Maybe we wrap our vehicles the way that we take pictures of real estate and show them. Like all of that is so intentional, Mm -hmm. but a lot of people just phone it in when it comes to their clothes. And, you know, what is it? Seven seconds, I think, is how long it takes someone to establish their first impression of you. And typically, that's before you've even said anything when they see you approaching. And so now in real estate, it's a little bit different because they see you pull up in the car. So, you know, what does your car say about you? But then secondly, what do your clothes say about you? And I think being intentional about that can be a huge advantage in the marketplace, especially when you're in control of it. You know who your audience is, just like this podcast. It has a specific audience. So, you, you know, you want to speak to that audience. If, if I'm going to work with a bunch of guys that are construction guys and I show up in a three piece suit, well, they don't be like, there's the suit. And there's already going to be a gap, a barrier, if you will, for us to communicate. And so I'm going to have to be playing against that. Throughout that conversation, versus meeting them in a way that they're like, "Oh, okay, we instantly have a connection or not." And I, I think clothes are a big, big piece of that that a lot of business owners and, and entrepreneurs just ignore. And do you think that's because they feel they don't? Yeah, you know, why should
0: they care that they dress up? Is that?
1: I think a lot of it, candidly speaking, I mean, especially in cases of males, I mean, we've had women dress us our entire lives, right? I mean, either our, our moms or our sisters or grandmothers, like there's always been a woman dressing us and that just kind of continues throughout life. So a lot of guys just kind of don't know any better. They just, they kind of settle. And at some point, a lot of guys' style just quits evolving. So I think it's not so much that they don't want to look nice. I think it's more that they don't know how to do it And they don't know who to go to to get help with it, Um, or think that they can't afford it, or what you know. There's a handful of different reasons, but most of the time it's just a lack of knowledge, and and they don't know where to go for help. And specifically, again, for guys, I mean, if a female is dressing you, they don't know what feels good as a man or not. I'm not saying they can't relate, but a lot of women don't feel confident dressing men either. Right. So, what are the first tips that you would have if
0: you know I'm a real estate investor? I'm looking to attract people to invest in my real estate investing business. I'm trying to raise capital. What are the first few things that they
1: need to be thinking about in terms of dress? I mean, in that scenario right there, I mean, if you were going to ask me money to invest with you, I want to feel confident that you know what you're doing with it, right? So before I start looking at the deal, I want to feel confident that you're not like a bum that doesn't know how to manage it. Right. So, so I think, you know, I want to show up to that presentation looking, uh, respectful and respectable of the conversation at the same time, you know, again, depending on the audience, I wouldn't want to overdress for the occasion to look like I'm doing too well, if you will. Like, you know, I don't need to be in a $10,000 suit because I bought it with somebody else's money, if that makes sense. If I had the track record for that, maybe that's a different deal. But I would think for most people, showing up in a way that says, hey, I respect the conversation that we're going into. I managed the way that I'm presenting myself well. I'm going to, to show you this deal and the other deals I've done in the past that I've managed well. And then therefore, you're going to trust me with your money that I'm going to be responsible with it. And I think presenting yourself, I mean, you wouldn't show up unshaved, hair a mess, you know, you tuck your shirt tail in, maybe throw on a sport coat. I mean, you know, this is a podcast, but even you and I were talking previously, you just throw on a sport jacket and then all of a sudden changes. I mean, if I were a real estate guy, I would wear blue jeans and or some kind of five pocket pan, a, a collared shirt and throw on a sport coat that was lightweight and go about my day and, and be stylish and comfortable and if I needed to go crawl underneath the house, I could just take the jacket off. But if I needed to go to a lunch meeting where I'm talking to a potential investor, that's what I'd have on.
0: You made a really good point that had never occurred to me about when you're thinking about dressing. The first thing you said was, I'm respectful of the conversation
1: I'm about to have. Yes. I mean, that's a big, I mean, because the way we show up, I mean, right, if you set an appointment with someone and you show up late, what does that say about the way you handle your business? Right. And if I show up and, and I look like I just hurriedly got to the appointment and I don't have my shit together, for lack of a better term, and I look like that from a dress stance, that's going to send one message. Whereas if I show up on time or a little bit early and, I, and I'm put together nicely and you can tell that it was intentional and thought out, what does that say about me and everything else that I do in my life? Right. That's a very good point. And it's interesting you said as well about clothing and how it makes you feel. What I mean, I don't know if you played sports, but if anyone that's ever played sports, like when you put on a uniform that fits you well, you have a little bit more swagger, a little bit more confidence, right? If I'm going to get up on stage and I'm gonna give a presentation, I want to feel good about the way that I look. That confidence comes through very attractive in conversation. And, you know, if you've ever seen a salesperson that was desperate, you can feel it in their presentation and it's very repulsive. You know, the more you need the deal to happen, the less chance it's gonna likely happen. Because it's weird how that works. But when when you walk into that conversation and and you feel good about the way you look, you you have that confidence, it's going to come through in your voice, it's going to come through in your cadence, it's going to come through in your body language, versus if you've ever been to an event, and we see a lot with guys that don't necessarily have to wear suits, but if you go to an event and let's say it's a wedding or hopefully not, but let's say a funeral and you show up underdressed and you realize that you don't look the part. That is one of the worst feelings that you can have. I mean, you want to hide in the corner or underneath a table somewhere. It's like, dude, I want to get the heck out of here. And so, I mean, there's no way you can hold a conversation and especially like in in y'all's world. I mean, you're always on and prospecting and, and representing your brand I mean, who knows where you can meet a potential investor? You know, it could be at a cocktail party or a a happy hour or a networking event or at the grocery store, and you're literally a walking billboard for your company. And being intentional about that and being confident in that can be a huge advantage. You've made another great point about that. You never know when you're going to bump into that next investor Mm -hmm. or that next client. And the more entrepreneurial you are, the more I think that holds true. You know, And I think that when you're one of those people that doesn't sit in a cubicle or in an office all day and you're out and about, what would be a bigger return on, on branding than your own personal image? And I don't say that because I sell clothes, but I mean, I would pay a lot of attention to that. And the same goes with your car, right? Like what kind of truck or, or car do you show up in? And how do you keep it in case you, somebody jumps in the car with you to do a sight ride or something? You know, Those are all little minor things you can think about.
0: That's funny. It reminds me of a story. I used to be in recruitment years ago in the UK, and there was a sales director that used to interview the candidates. And then he'd do two things. One was he'd walk with them. To, he'd say, okay, we're going to go for lunch now. He'd do this with the shortlist candidates. He'd go, we'll go for lunch. My car's in the shop. Let's use yours. So that oh. was his first thing. So he'd get in the car and then he'd check out their car. And then he'd give them directions to the restaurant once. Herald. And then he'd shut up. And so <laughs> so there's poor candidates already in a situation where they're they're in an interview and they've got to remember the directions to the restaurant. But the the car checking thing, you're absolutely right. Again, it's a representation of you and your brand.
1: I mean, it's kinda of, it's like if you were gonna have guests over to your house, would you clean up the living room or not? You know, I mean it's like <laughs> If you don't make the bed, you may not need to straighten the sheet underneath it, but at least make sure that top layer looks good, right? <laughs> I mean, mm-hmm. there, there are some cheat codes to it for sure, but it is representative, I believe. What about color?
0: How important is
1: color? So I'm in South Carolina and down in the Southeast, some people dress like peacocks, as I call it, real colorful and bright. You know, I think everyone should dress to make themselves feel comfortable, but I don't think you need to look like you're walking around with a neon sign that says, look at me. You know, again, I think it's very intentional. What does your brand stand for? What do you stand for? One of the processes that we take our clients through is really figuring out who they are, like what do they really enjoy doing on their off time? What is their message? And understanding who they are and then reflect that in clothing. And if you can align your color palette to your personality, that's where you're going to be the most comfortable. And that's where also where the colors will be the most flattering on you. I worked
0: with an image consultant years ago for my own wardrobe when I was doing a lot of speaking. Yep. And two things that came out of it. One was, it was my wardrobe was full. so she came in the house and she came into the wardrobe and she just started pulling stuff out and piling it to one side. <laughs> She was, she was going no, 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 and I was going really. She said okay, and then she dressed me with a white sheet, and then just started holding colours up to my face and said, "She said this is the palette of most of your wardrobe at the moment, and it was browns and greens." Mm-hmm. And she said, "Okay, now look at these, picture, these colors. these And she was picking teal and uh, kind of burgundy and you know slightly brighter colours, and the look on my face was completely different. But the other funny oh. thing is as soon as I pulled on color, bought some colors like that, I just felt like completely different.
1: Well, I- it's magical. And I mean, when you're building a wardrobe, like some guys feel really comfortable in gray, other guys feel better in blue. Right. Well, wear the one that you feel the best in. <laughs> I mean, as simple as that seems, a lot of guys just never think about it. They just say, Oh, well, I have to wear khaki well i don't feel comfortable in khaki personally i enjoy my blues better so it does make a big difference especially with skin tone and things like that it can shape you differently you know if you're a little bit heavier than you like to be there are certain colors that are going to be slimming on you there's certain mm-hmm. patterns um those are all little small tweaks and small hacks but it's not terribly complicated and then just like you said i mean if you work with someone that's an image consultant. It's so much easier because you don't have to think about it. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, w- again, depending on what, how you like to your business, I'd rather part- partner with you because you know how to invest in real estate. That's not my expertise, right? That would be your expertise. Let the professional do what the professional needs to do. And then partner up with people that are stronger in things than, than you are and just focus on what you're really good at. And I would do the same with clothing as I would marketing or plumbing.
0: When it comes to color, how do you feel about people using a little bit of their brand color in their clothing? So, if red is the color, then you know, a red uh, handkerchief in the top pocket, or, or or red tie,
1: just like with advertising, you know, your message needs to be in front of someone seven times or eight times before they really hear it or see it. I do think that nuances of your color scheme from your company incorporated where it makes sense on your clothing does help. At a, at a very subliminal uh, level, I do think it reinforces that familiarity uh, with your company, for sure. But you're not suggesting
0: if orange is the color that you suddenly deck yourself out? I wouldn't.
1: <laughs> not everyone looks great in orange. Now, if it happens to be a good color for you, in fact, I've never really thought this uh, about this before, but I would pick a color palette for my logo that matched colors that I looked at good in and that I enjoyed personally. Um, that's the easiest way to do it. So you get the best of both worlds. So that goes back to the personal branding piece. Right? Well, and that's the other thing too, right? So, because we're all we're all entrepreneurs and business owners at some point. But if you're in sales, you're a business owner, whether you choose to recognize that or not, those are all decisions that we can make as business owners and entrepreneurs. And that's the beauty of it. I mean, you're, you're literally the architect. You can be very, very intentional about how you build these things out. And your personal brand is your company's brand; mm-hmm. they're one and the same. You grow one, you grow the other um, simultaneously. And I think that's one of the really cool things when you look at people that have done, you know, whether it's Grant Cardone, Tony Robbins, you know, just the first two that pop into my mind. They both have massive personal brands, but also, like in Grant Cardone's case, I mean, massive real estate brand uh, at this point, but it stemmed from him starting out as a freaking car salesman. So. It, it does matter. And personal brand is such a competitive advantage over the typical person that's not paying attention to it. I mean, I don't even if you're just trying to get a promotion inside of a company, people need to know who you are and what you're about and what you're doing in order for you to get recognized for the good works and get the opportunity. How did you get involved in clothing? I'm a second generation. My father started a clothing store. Or bought a clothing store from a guy named Mr. Grayson. And I I remember coming to work on Saturdays with my dad. I grew up on a horse farm, right? So it was either uh, do more yard work, muck stalls, or shine shoes in the clothing shop on Saturdays. And then I went off to school and I had an academic scholarship. And the deal with my father was he would give me a six-month stipend. If I got a scholarship. So I had that. And three weeks into my six months, I'd spent every dollar partying. And I was like, oh crap, I need a job. So I was a waiter, a bartender, and I opened up boxes in our shipping and receiving room at my father's clothing store and did that through college and fell in love with it. Thought I wanted to be a doctor and attorney, but instead I was like, Dad, can I have a job as a salesperson when I graduate? Because I wanted to just be accountable for my success or failure. And from there, I, I just fell in love with it. I enjoy the clients I come in contact with, and I love business. And it's provided me just incredible opportunities.
0: How did you make the connection from clothing to the personal brand aspect?
1: What I saw was, again, I primarily worked with men. They'd come in, and you start chatting with them and asking questions and taking them through the process you know, to really understand who they were. And I've always... I'm not a very... I hate retail I own retail stores. People always laugh at that. I'm like, I hate retail. It's so, for the most part, it tends to be very superficial, highly transactional. And I enjoy getting and going very deep and having a really massive impact with people. That's what I enjoy. And so I'd sit down with clients. I'd only work by appointment and I would ask questions and really get a handle on it. And you'd see these guys come in looking and feeling one way. Maybe they just got divorced. Maybe they didn't feel too confident in their body whatever it is. And then I'd start working with them. And over time, we'd see their confidence rise. And then you would literally hear them say, Vaughn, thank you so much. I just got a massive bonus. And I was like, why are you thanking me? And they literally were performing better in their jobs because they felt better about who they were, their relationships improved. They were, I'm not going to say they were glowing, but Let's just call it that, for again, for lack of a better term. But when I started seeing it, I was like, wait a minute. There's something here that's not just about a T-shirt or a knit shirt. There's something much deeper here. And then when I started thinking about personal branding, I was like, that's it. I mean, you're the company of you. And there's so much that goes into that from... Taking care of your body and training and dressing and hygiene and mindset training and everything like that. It, then I was like, wait a minute, this is what I really love, and it's not just about clothes. It's about the person and building something really, really special and unique that that will go with you forever. And you know, we were talking prior to to hit and record or whatever on pers- just coaching, right? Again, the concept is when you invest in yourself, whether it's learning new skills, learning new education, investing in a coach, your personal like personal appearance, you know, working with a trainer or an image consultant like you discussed. I mean, all of that whenever you're investing in yourself and your personal brand, it's going to stay with you forever. And I think that's so powerful and cool and a lot of people just never have experienced it or thought of it that way. You know, that a lot of people are hesitant to to make that investment because it's like, well, you know, it's not like advertising where when I invest $1, I know that I got this sale because of it or whatever. It's like, well, how does it pay off? But then when you start really looking at those investments and, and you look at your relationships and how they're improving, and then because that part of your life is doing better and you're feeling better about your clothes, well, now you start going to the gym and taking care of yourself. So now you have more energy, you have more confidence. Well, then all of a sudden you start producing more in the workplace or in the marketplace because all of it creates synergy. And I think that's really that's where the the magic comes into play. That's a really good point, Vaughn, about investing everything that you invest in
0: your personal brand is going to pay off to some degree or another. You now do kind of coaching beyond just clothing and personal branding. Tell the listeners a little bit more about what you're doing. And also the game framework. So maybe you can talk. A little bit yeah. to that
1: as well, the game method, candidly speaking, I'm a former athlete, and I don't really like to take myself too seriously uh but I love watching high level athletes i mean they're they're the one percenters that are the absolute best at what they do, and they literally are they're guaranteed to lose, right? so no athlete is undefeated ever, and yet they still go out there and bust their ass and put in the word every single day. And so the game method really is just, it's a daily game I created. It's just a simple framework. So it's just an acronym, right? So the G stands for the game of growth because all we want to do is be better tomorrow than we were today or be better today than we were yesterday. So you always have this constant game of growth, which means that you start where you are. That's the other thing, right? We always love to compare, especially with social media. It's like comparing yourself to what everybody else is doing. It's like, no, screw that. Pay attention to you have success on your terms, right? So the game of growth. And then the first one is uh, be an athlete. And what that means is simply train your body and train your mind every single day. So did I, did I physically move? Was I intentional about whether that's weightlifting, yoga, walking outside, whatever that looks like for you, but did I, did I intentionally train my body today? And then did I intentionally train my mind? That could be taking a class, that could be reading a book, that could be anything that's feeding the mind, could be meditation, anything that helps that mental fortitude and clarity and investing there. And I mean, what a crazy easy time to just consume knowledge at this point, right? I mean, it's so free. That's what the A is. And then the M is, did I make money, right? So (laughs) like in the world of business, we keep score with money. That is how you know whether you're doing well or not well. And so every day, did you do something that's going to make you money? That could be, did I prospect? Did I reach out to, to the right people? Did I put together a new product? Did I create content? Whatever that is, it's going to move the needle of making money and do it on a daily basis. And then the E is probably the hardest and the most fulfilling aspect of it is, did I engage in relationships? And the thought here was, you got to create a game that you can win. And if it was just relationships, well, that that means it's twofold, right? So I'm married to my high school sweetheart. We have three kids. And it's real easy for me to think that my wife is the like when we're not hitting on all cylinders, it's easy for me to blame my wife or she's not being receptive or he's not doing this or whatever that looks like. You know what I mean? So the idea with engaging relationships is did I reach out? to a loved one today or to someone today and tell them why I appreciate, adore, respect, honor them. And you have to do it in a way that doesn't require them to receive it or respond. That means it's one-way communication. It's an email. It's a text message. It's a note. It's something. It's not a phone call where they have to pick up the phone. It literally requires zero response for them. and if you do that every single day, I have seen relationships that were completely broken in my life come together. I've seen my youngest daughter, middle child. I'll send her messages. She won't respond at all (laughs) because, (laughs) but in terms of the message, but when, but then the hug that I get when I come home, it's just magical. And it's a game you can win. And it, it is almost like, man, it, There's also some vulnerability, not some, there's a lot of vulnerability in there. And in fact, when I get pissed off and don't want to talk to someone and their name pops into my head, I'm like, damn it. As soon as I have a name like that, I have to reach out to them. Yeah, I do this with customers. I do it with upset client, you know, former clients. I do this with people that impacted me 10 years ago and tell them, you know, something happened. I thought about you today. I just want to tell you how much you mean to me and, and what you did for me. What a great way. I mean, if you ever received a message like that, you know what it does to you, but now you're, the, you're literally doing it on a daily basis. So the game of growth, is, and it re- the score resets every day, right? So you, you got the game of growth. Did I train my body? Did I train my mind? Did I make, do something that's going to make me money in my business? And did I engage in relationships? And, and you're really creating a framework that anyone can play. At any stage in life, whether you're on the high or the low, wherever you are, it's just today is today and I'm going to be present in the moment and I'm going to be very intentional. And I try to do that you know, before I leave, before I get into the day every day at 10 a.m. or 9 a.m. or whatever time it is, I try to knock it out before I leave the the front door of the house. So that was the game framework and, and something I came up with. It's a lot of fun and it's me against me, which is nice.
0: I just love that last one. That is such a, as you say, so simple, hard to do yeah, and very hard to do on a consistent basis. I don't know if you know the, the kind of mentor motivational guy, uh, Darren Hardy. Yes. He wrote the book, The Compound Effect. And one of the things he talks about is when he wakes up, he sends love to five people, but he just does it mentally. But what I love about yours is you're actually doing something. You know, you're, You're taking that next, it's very easy for me to lie there and think, hey, I can send love to five people, but it's not you're not real. You're checking it off the box, but there's no game there. There's no there's no winning.
1: I have found that physical obedience is the fastest way to become very good at something. And your mind is not always working for you, right? You lay in bed. And your mind tells you you're tired. Your body is not incapable of moving for most people, but your mind tells you you're tired. The physical obedience or the physical discipline allows you to train your mind to listen to what you want it to do versus your mind telling you and your body what it's to do. Tony Robbins, I'm a big Tony Robbins guy, and I was at a, I think it was UPW. And he's like, I have trained this like a dog. So when I tell it to come, it comes. And it's like, man, the idea of having control over your mind and your body is a very powerful thing. That's why I like training my body. I don't care about being a fitness model by any stretch of the imagination, but the (laughs) actual being in control of that and making myself do something I don't want to do is very impactful. And the fact that you physically have to send out a message and take the time, that is again, you being in control of you and your emotions versus again, because like when I see people or I think of a name that I, I'm like that jackass or whatever, I literally have to reach out to them and show them why I respect and honor them. And it's like, all right, now I'm in control of myself again. And, and so it's not just what you're doing for them. That is the magic behind it, but it's also the control and the compounding effect of doing this day in, day out, day in, day out. I mean, it creates just incredible habits. My coach says
0: the physiology leads to the psychology. It's not yes. trying to do it the other way around is exactly what you say. You're lying in bed. I'm tired. I'm not going to get up. I'm not going to exercise
1: today. It's okay. I'll do it tomorrow. But if you push it, yourself physically. the Literally, the biochemistry changes. And then like if you're in sales, I mean, again, thinking about the audience that we're we're chatting to, There's going to be times you don't feel like doing it. I mean, who wants to call a bunch of investors and face rejection, right? Like, Just pick up the phone, dial the number, and eventually fake the mood until you get it. And eventually you'll get into it and you'll be like, all right, here we go. And if you start playing a game with yourself, it makes it more fun. And who doesn't like to play a game? Great play. So so that's the game method. It's a lot of fun. And you can play it every day, no matter where you are in the world.
0: (laughs) I had a couple of other questions I wanted to, that occurred to me around clothing. One is, what about for the women listening? Do you have any advice?
1: Yeah, women, they have such an unfair advantage when they start leveraging the power of clothing, in my opinion. Because when a woman walks into, I work around a lot of females, and I'm just going to speak very candid about this. When a female who carries herself well and is put together nicely, walks into a room, and I have two daughters, just as another little side (laughs) note, when they walk into a room predominantly filled with men and they've got it put together, Mm -hmm. they have the most power in the room and have the attention of everyone that's sitting there. And that is incredible and will open up doors if you know how to put it together. Now, the biggest challenge I also think for women Is there's that fine line between, again, depending on the environment, professional, appropriate, too, I'm gonna call it too sexy, if you will, where they're sending off the wrong message. And again, they can be very intentional with that. And even inside of, you know, going back to the game. So my wife and I have a standing date night every Wednesday night. And I dress for that occasion. And my wife dresses for that occasion. There is nothing that would change my mood faster than my wife looking a certain kind of way that's like, oh my gosh. And so I think for women, if you recognize that, there's women love shoes. You can watch a woman literally, if I ever get out of the men's clothing business, I'm going into the ladies shoe business because a woman can have on a pair of shoes and feel one way and then put on a a different shoe and it completely changes the individual that you're looking at. And so they, they bring a lot more emotional horsepower, if you will, when they dress certain ways. And I think that if they find something that fits their body, and the challenge for women is they just have a lot more curves, quite frankly, than men. I mean, just being very candid about it. And so it is more challenging. But once you find those right fits and the color palettes, oh my gosh, I mean, it's crazy. And then if you get a lot of women together... And if you have someone that dresses better than the rest of them, everybody wants to hang out with that woman. It's wild. Like, And when I say better, it doesn't mean like, it's just more, whichever one dresses the most appropriate wins. It's so crazy. And it's just neat to watch. And again, like having two daughters that I hope that, well, one of them definitely has an entrepreneurial spirit. I mean, there's no cap, no ceiling for women in in the workplace and any of that jazz. I mean, it's really cool, but it is a different set of rules because if I I dress this president, female president of an educational institution, and it's a fine line. It's harder for women. She was working with a lot of males and, you know, does she wear a pantsuit? Does she wear a skirt suit? What does she wear into a board meeting? you know, what blouses look good versus which blouses look like she should be going on date night. You know, like those are more things to be concerned with, but Mm -hmm. if you can get it, it's a much more powerful thing than a guy showing up well-dressed in my opinion.
0: The other thing is the last couple of years, we've been spending more time doing this on Zoom as we're doing today. Has that, have you noticed a decline in the way that people are are now turning
1: up? Yeah. I mean, it's like suits are uniform blue jeans and a t-shirt are a uniform. When you start getting into what we'll call business casual for this conversation, Mm -hmm. that's hard, right? Most guys are like, I don't know what the heck to do here. And so that in between, I mean, I haven't, I sell ties and I bet you I've put on a tie maybe a dozen times in the last two years. And so I have a lot of guys that, you know, not necessarily real estate investments, but financial investors and guys like that. They're like, what do you show up to a meeting in? Right. And like because not no one's wearing suit, but you still want to look nice and respect the opportunity and the conversation. It's like, how do you show up? And that navigating that is more difficult. But the simple framework of, you know, like my simple rule I tell a lot of my guys is like just always have a sport coat on. It has to be super structured. Like if you have a sport coat on, like you're gonna probably be covered. Yeah, you know, you're starting to see guys invest more time and energy in it because they notice There's certain people showing up the right way and there's certain people showing up not the right way. And if I have two guys with the same talent and I have one that looks the part and one that doesn't look the part, I don't choose one that looks the part. I mean, again, every little advantage helps, right? And so people are paying more attention to it now, which is nice. So
0: I think I'm taking away from this. The two big things I'm taking away from our conversation is you've said it several times. I think it's really worth underlining is respect the opportunity, respect the conversation and then dress to that yeah, each, for sure. each time, regardless. So, and, and you made the point, if you're going and talking to your construction crew who are doing a renovation for you, you don't need to put on the suit. But if you're sitting down with somebody that's about to invest half a million dollars with you, then it's
1: a different conversation. It's a different opportunity. Everything that we do is quality. The quality audio that you and I have for a podcast matters, right? Both of us are sitting here with the same microphone. Why do we care? Nobody's going to see our face, right? Or they're just going to hear the audio. Why does it matter? Because it's reflective of what we do. And we want to set the standard. And image is important and it's an amplifier of what you do, how you get paid. And it matters how you show up. In fact, my kids, I I haven't shared this publicly. This will be the first time. It's kind of cool. One of my daughters plays soccer and they were talking about uniforms and they were really talking about. The coach got up for the whole soccer, all the age soccer teams at this school. And he said, look, this year we're showing up to practice in uniforms. There'll be set practicing outfits and then we'll have game outfits because we're going to, we're going to be intentional about the way we showed up. And I was like, dang, this is a team. And we were talking about fifth grade girls all the way up to, you know, 12th grade girls and boys. And they, they were short uniforms. I bought uniforms for one of the teams and I was like, and I told the guy, I said, look, that matters. Because when someone shows up to an interview and they put themselves together nicely versus someone that didn't even do any research on who I was and what I was about, it's a big difference. And I was like, man, people need to pay attention to this stuff. I mean, you brush your hair before you go out of the house, right? I mean, it's kind of the same deal. Brush your teeth before you don't talk to someone. It does matter and it helps so much build rapport and trust and if, like, let's use the construction crew. Let's say you, you're the guy that normally asks for a half, or the woman that normally asks for a half a million dollars in investment, but you're talking to your construction crew. If you show up in a way that they can hear and receive your message, that is your job as the leader. Like, it's not their job to come up to you or to, to meet you where you are. You have to get a result. So you need to position yourself in a way that your message can be received. That would be the same for a language barrier, but it's also a, a physical appearance barrier. And you want to get the most traction as fast as you can. Thank you for sharing that story. It sounds like your coach is kind
0: of from the John Wooden <laughs> school of, because he was, the first thing was how
1: to pull on your socks correctly. Yeah. Basically everything from there. So <laughs> Yeah. You got to have a foundation, right? I mean, right. again, we're talking real estate. If the foundation is rubbish, it doesn't matter what the rest of it looks like. And, and what we're talking about, personal branding. That is the foundation of everything you do, investing in yourself mentally, coaches, education, how you take care of your your body physically, your relationships. Those are all things that you can control and they're the foundation for everything that comes from your hands. Great point. So speaking of personal brands,
0: uh, do you have a favorite personal
1: brand and, and why? My personal favorite brand I mean, Apple is tough to beat, right? I mean, Steve Jobs, he's created, not only has he de- revolutionized the business and smartphones and everything else, but everything you touch feels a certain kind of way from their packaging. I mean, it's just Im- incredible. The, the brand consistency, I mean, anyway, long story short, I just think it's, they probably do it the absolute best. Even their customer service is like top-notch. American Express yeah. is another one. You know, I mean, everything is just—you know what it's going to feel like. It's you don't have to guess, so you don't you don't mind investing the money because you know what you're going to get every time. That's another great point about personal brand,
0: isn't it? You don't have to guess, and you know no. what you're going to get for
1: your money or for your investment. Or yeah, it's a track record. Right. So literally a proven track record.
0: That's right. cool. You mentioned Tony Robbins.
1: Is that a personal brand that you also? Yeah, Tony Robbins. I mean, that guy's incredible, right? So again, Tom Cruise, LeBron James, Serena or Vanessa Williams, or Venus Williams. You think about any of these athletes, Hollywood actors, entertainers, rock stars, their name, they don't always have the stage, right? They're not always going to be live, active athletes, but they have a shelf life in those industries. But what doesn't have a shelf life is their personal brand and their name. I mean, you think about how much money have these people made off of their name? And it's like, oh, versus, I mean, what's the average time in the NFL? Three years or something like that? But you can make, I mean, Shaquille O'Neal, how much, uh, he's made more money off of his name than he did his NBA career. I mean, that's incredible. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, there's a, I love Tony Robbins because he's had a personal impact in my life. But those are a few, and those are, that's the power of them, for sure. Right. Great examples.
0: What about a favorite uh, business book or podcast?
1: I'm reading a book right now that I would... I don't know if it'll be my favorite of all time, but I'm so obsessed with it. It's called Fanatical Prospecting. And it describes my mindset around business more than any other book I've ever read. If you're in sales or if you're looking for investors, Do yourself a favor, read the book, Audible, whatever you want. That's the best one right now I got going.
0: Mm, I'm going to check that one out. Thank you.
1: Yeah. Do you have a favorite uh, tool or
0: resource that you're enjoying using at the moment?
1: My phone? That's probably a lame answer, but I literally have built my entire business from my cell phone. And that's crazy. I hated Zoom. Zoom is a close second. Because I hated Zoom because it was like, oh, video conference. I didn't know how to use it. And now you and I are in two different parts of the world and and we get to see each other and read body language and have a great conversation. So if I had to pick a software, it would be Zoom. Okay. And do you have a favorite quote? Yeah, I made it. So I'm a little biased and I've actually never used this in an interview, but we're either going to figure it out or we're going to die. And what that means is like, you're either going to hit your goal or you're going to die. Either way, it's over. Like, it doesn't matter. Like, you've either won, so don't worry about it. Like, just go. Like, you're either going to figure it out or you're going to die, and in which case it doesn't matter. It's like, that's not a bad, just go have fun, commit. I love it. How can people get hold of you, Vaughn? How can they find out more about what you do? And Check out VaughnGranger.com. I think on every major platform I have at Vaughn Granger. So check me out on any social, but go check out com. There's a personal branding ebook that I put together, free resource that I've gotten great feedback on. Go register for that, and then you'll have that at your fingertips.
0: Wonderful. Okay. And we'll make sure that's in the show notes as well. Thanks, Thanks Vaughn. It's great conversation. Thank you. Uh, I've well, really enjoyed it. I hope everybody else has uh, picked up some great tips I'm taking away as well as the other thing you said just near the end was amplify, uh, I think it was amplify what you do because that's what gets
1: you paid. Yeah. I mean, everything you do, if you touch it, your personal brand stays with you forever. Just don't be afraid to make a mistake. Wonderful. Have yourself a
0: brandtastic day. Thanks,
1: Paul. Cheers.
0: Well, was that brandtastic? Did it give you some ideas and actions that you can take right now to build your business? So get to it. And if you're wondering where your real estate investing brand currently stands and some steps to make it more brandtastic, you can download our free REI brand checklist at reibranded.com forward slash checklist. That's reibranded.com forward slash checklist. Thank you for listening and have a brandtastic day.